this week on Unsportsmanlike Conduct, we talk Colin Kaepernick and college football. Welcome back to Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'm your host, Andy Loveland. As always, joined by my co-host, Jack Crum. Big news today. Colin Kaepernick will host a workout in Atlanta for all 32 NFL teams. He'll also interview and do on-field work, supposedly in partnership with the NFL. What did you think when you first heard this? Uh, So initially, Andy, I feel like it's kind of the NFL making amends for basically each one of their owners blackballing him based off his views. It's like, hey, we didn't blackball you, but if we did... (laughs) We're gonna help you out. Yeah, it's just it's just one big apology, basically. But it's like, and then I'm also curious, like, how many teams are gonna show up? Because when they show up, you know that it's gonna come out on Adam Schefter, Ian Rapport's Twitter, like this team, this team, and this team all showed up. I mean, I think all 32 will probably show up because he he's got to be a viable backup quarterback, and we've seen like Luke Falk. This season, we've seen, you know, Gardner Minshew was good. Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll. We've seen enough backup quarterbacks this season to know, and some good, some bad, but to know, like, starting quarterbacks are going down. Even Mahomes went down. If you're Baltimore, you have to worry, like, Lamar rarely rarely gets hit because he's got those Madden Duke moves and all that. But if he gets hit the right way, like, your season could go down. And you've got RG3, but... I mean, and they also have that, um, I mean, Jim Harbaugh, of course, coached Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco, yeah. and then his brother, John, yeah. is the head coach of Baltimore, so there's also that connection. But Yeah, um, and I don't, I don't necessarily yeah. know if Baltimore's a team. They've got two quarterbacks yeah. who they're happy with, but I think it's just if there's no reason not to send somebody. I don't know if all 32 teams are sending, like, the GM and the head coach to really scout this guy out, but you might as well send a representative to say, can this guy perform at an NFL level at 32 years old? You know, just to yeah. just to toss rocks because now, you know, we've seen, like I said, plenty of teams this year struggling with quarterback health, whether it's the Lions now. And there's a lot of teams who, like the Packers, if a quarterback went down, you know. So even if you don't plan on signing him now, in two weeks, if your quarterback goes down with a season-ending injury, if you've seen him perform, you might be – you might be willing to take a shot just hoping that he could do something. Oh, big so, time. And, I mean, people kind of forget, too. Colin Kaepernick was one of the biggest, like, up-and-coming stars of the NFL back in 2000 and whenever it was. Was it 14, 11? 15. Or, wait, was it 11? Because uh, I, I want to say— Harbaugh was hired at Michigan in 2015. Colin Kaepernick was drafted in 11, so he would have taken over in yeah. 12 when Baltimore won the Super Bowl. Right. So for those couple of years, I mean, he kind of was like Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes, like that like game-changing type player. Yeah, he was, I would say, like, not even like Mahomes. He was he was just kind of his own thing. It he, was just... It was, it was kind of like what Lamar Jackson is doing, but like 10 notches down yeah. where like he could make plays. I mean, he went into Green Bay in the playoffs and won. Oh yeah. And it was, you know, he was running all over the field, but he was also able to make enough passes to be a good quarterback. And then as San Francisco fell off the table, he kind of Yeah, and it was kind of a bad stretch for him too because, you know, 2014-15 season, 
the wheels were kind of falling off the 49ers as far as, you know, the players kind of losing touch with Jim Harbaugh and the ownership and all that situation, all that drama. And then, of course, kneeling for the national anthem the year after. And yeah. so that, that that kind of like two years is, is kind of a rough period because um, he basically was on a sinking ship in a time where people really didn't want players to protest. So I feel like it was just kind of well, the perfect storm for him to— you, The perfect storm if you add in what's going on outside of the oh, football yeah. world at that moment in time. I mean, we've got President Trump coming in and— like kind of that movement of people who believe kind of the conservative in that way. type movement, and it's yeah. it's even more than conservative, but just this wave of people who are saying like seeing this all over the field and kind of just fed up with a lot. And Kaepernick, I think, fell victim to that. But let's play around with a few teams I have here listed that I think could legitimately use Colin Kaepernick either this season or like in a year or two when their quarterback is done. Number one on the list, I have Chicago. Uh, clearly, Mitch Trubisky looked better last week. He was able to beat the Lions, who I don't even know how to judge the Lions Suck. anymore. Yeah, they look good at times, and then they'll just look bad. <laughs> Atlanta is another team who Matt Ryan's getting up there. I don't necessarily know how much longer they want him, but you could you could insert Kaepernick to kind of give some life to that team. Tampa Bay is going to need a quarterback probably next year. You, think, you don't think they re-sign? Uh... I'd, be, I'd be very surprised. Okay. Unless unless James, unless they I mean, really He's been think... playing good. He just can't stop turning over the ball. And that's always going to be James. Yeah, that's true. Cincinnati, who I don't think they'll do it because they're first in line for Joe Burrow, for Tua. Ohio native. For Justin Herbert, <laughs> if you're Mike Tannenbaum, which we'll get into more. Like a little bit later oh, when yeah. we get into some college football. Or Denver, who just famously can't find a quarterback. The greatest quarterback of their entire organization, you know, sits in the booth every week. Yeah. Makes the decisions, but he can't scout quarterback talent. I mean, John Elway is terrified of drafting quarterbacks. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think, and this is going to surprise some people, I think you should add uh, New England onto that list. I have New England on my second list I got as you. far as teams that I think would be Interesting, and I think Bill Belichick would love to use him similarly to the way yeah. that, like New Orleans uses Taysom Hill. Yeah, and then potentially you have a quarterback who can take over for Brady if he retires yeah. at the end of the season. But I also don't know, like, if if that fits the profile because yeah. he's thirty two years old. So I don't know if that fits the profile of what Bill wants to do. But there aren't a lot of teams in win now mode either. Oh, 100%. And I just feel like back in, I think it was 2013 or 14, when Colin Kaepernick came into Foxborough and bested the Patriots in, like, it was a super wet game, super cold. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like some part of that game still kind of lingers around in Bill Belichick's mind. And, I mean, kind of like you said, like, they're kind of still in a win-now mode. And even when Tom Brady eventually retires... Assuming Bill Belichick stays on after that, I feel like they're still going to be in a win now. So, I mean, you add a guy who's 32, you know, he's going to be just about, like, near the end of his prime um, with NFL experience. I mean, all, all, all politics put aside, I just feel like he would he would fit that kind of prototype for what they'd be looking yeah, for. Yeah, I think that it's possible. I think Kraft, it, 
is that one of the owners that would let Belichick kind of do whatever he wants. Yeah. I, like I said, I listed him, not even just to take over Brady, but I think instantly they would start using him and you like kind of doing it a different way where like you now have a backfield potentially where it's like James White, Tom Brady, and then Colin Kaepernick, and you don't necessarily <laughs> know like what to do with that. Yeah, I mean, you maybe... Know, you, Maybe Colin could catch a catch a pass like uh, Tom Brady couldn't do in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, the Philly, the Philly special, but in New England this time. <laughs> no, I mean, I think there's plenty of teams that could use him. Yeah. It just kind of depends on how that workout goes. Because I have no doubt he can still throw a football, but can he throw a football in the NFL environment? You know, this yeah. many years later, it'll be yeah, it'll be knows? very interesting to see. I have both LA teams as teams that might look at him too. The Rams could really use not somebody. I don't think they'll replace Jared Goff. Jared no. Goff has 134 million dollars, well, yeah, and they have 134 million reasons to figure out how to make it work. <laughs> the Bears are watching what's happening in LA and just thinking like, no way in hell do we give Mitch Trubisky any kind of contract because the Rams right now are trying to. Th- find a loophole or a team that they could <laughs> gift him away. And I think the Chargers could just... See, the Chargers fits for me, too. There's just Maybe, something about it. They're trying to you put would people think, in the stadium. You would think that there's something about it, but there's... And L.A. would be a place that this would fly well. Oh, yeah. But there's also something about Phillip Rivers to me that says he doesn't want to step off the field, even if it's five plays a game. I just feel like this is it for Phillip Rivers. After seeing I mean, how he performed think, against Oakland... I just I feel like he's at the he bottom of his career, and but it's so sad because that's or the four years ago he was doing yeah. that too, where you're like Philip Rivers can't do this anymore. The thing with Philip Rivers, and if you ever listen to like the Levitard show on ESPN, they always make the joke where like you know it's like death taxes and Philip Rivers with a shot to win with one minute left. Yeah. Like Philip Rivers is always in the game with a minute left, whether they're the better team or not. <laughs> like it just seems like they're always yeah. playing down or up. So who who knows what'll happen with that? It's just I mean we're two, we're recording this on Tuesday. It just dropped. Teams have four or five days to figure out: Do we send someone to Atlanta? Yeah. And then I don't know how long it'll take after Saturday for a team to actually jump on it. You'd assume if you're a playoff team, you want to get on there quicker than not, just to get him up to speed, especially if you want to. You do it more wrinkles, like if you want somebody who can do that. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we talked about it, I think, two or three weeks ago where it's like two years removed. Is this even a possibility? But I mean, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of the game to miss at that point. Yeah, but, I mean, we've, we've seen people not necessarily come back after two years, but, I mean, Mike Vick was out for a while. He came back and had some of his best years throwing the football. You know, he wasn't yeah. the same quite electric player. I mean, player. he started off as, as a backup QB. Yeah. I mean, and it, to Kevin Kolb, I remember, Yeah, uh, in Philadelphia. But, I mean, and that was under Andy Reid, too. So mm-hmm. I just feel like if, if Colin Kaepernick can still throw a football like he used to be able to, and he gets into the perfect situation, whether it be, you know, in the right city like Os- Los Angeles or with the right coach like Bill Belichick. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like he's he's still got a lot of football left. I think to play. he could. I think he definitely can offer something. I mean, Kaepernick to me is the type of player. Like, let's say the Browns are seven and two, or six and two, or what have you. I think John Dorsey makes the call because I feel like he loves to add, you know, different wrinkles. Yeah. With the record they have right now, 
adding another wrinkle, another personality for Freddie Kitchens to botch doesn't really seem like <laughs> the move. But I think there's a lot of GMs who, at the very least, will consider. I mean, maybe maybe John Gruden. That's what I was just about to say. I mean, Oakland, could you imagine a more Raider-type move than to sign Colin Kaepernick and just have him kind of breathe down Derek Carr's neck for the rest of this year? Like, I don't know. That would be very intriguing to me. And once again, I mean, California, right in Oakland, I mean, they would be the move to Las be Vegas. public heroes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You get that, you know, you get the publicity up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I could definitely see it. Yeah, so who knows? We'll see. But kind of sticking in quarterback play we think we saw the potential number one and two picks duel it out in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. I mean, that was just... What a game, first off. Oh, yeah. It didn't look like it was going to be what a game. It looked like Ed Ogeron and LSU had just figured out Nick Saban. I don't know. What were your initial thoughts kind of on how that went? Well, I just think, first of all, I, I love Joe Burrow. Like, I even loved him when he was a Buckeye because he's just kind of like that underrated type guy. You know, he lost the quarterback competition to Dwayne Haskins and transferred out. And, I mean, that's awesome. But, I mean, Coach O, man. I mean, he should have gotten the job at USC, and they, they totally just screwed him over at Southern Cal. So now he's getting his chance. And did you hear, like, all the audio from, like, in the locker room and stuff yeah. and the stuff he was yeah, saying about Alabama? Facebook Live. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He said stuff that I can't really say on, like over the podcast, but yeah. like we'll keep it, it involved friendly. it involved dominating Alabama on the recruiting front and dominating them every time they play, <laughs> and that's something that Les Miles really didn't do as great of a coach as he was, and that's exactly the type of personality that Alabama really or that LSU really needs to keep up with Alabama. Yeah, well, and I think the big thing with Coach O is one, I don't know if it would have worked for him in SC. I. The whole Southern Cal type. Yeah, type he's I just mean, he's a he, Bayou boy. He 100%. feels like he should have always been at LSU, and you kind of watch him. And you go like, how was this guy not the coach here before? Like, how did he ever leave this program? But uh, I think it was ESPN Daily I was listening to Monday, and they kind of were talking about how Les Miles took what Saban had built at LSU and just refused to change it. Mm-hmm. And Ogeron came in and was like, "Okay, we're getting five star talent on the offense. Why do we not have good offense?" Yeah, and hired people to figure it out. And I think that's the biggest thing you're seeing is last year, it was a better LSU offense, and this year, it's miles better. I mean, to think that in the season that LSU and Alabama played in the national title game, to think that Jarvis Landry and Odell were on that team Travis and the season. offense couldn't move the ball. Is just mind blowing, and this is why I got so excited when Joe Burrow transferred to LSU because literally all LSU was missing out on since the I mean, dawn Matt of time. Flynn, Jamarcus Russell. I mean, it was a quarterback. I mean, literally that's all they really needed because the defense has always been there, but the offense. I mean, they've literally. I mean, Jeremy Hill was another guy who was a running back during that time of Jarvis and Odell. And you're just asking yourself, why is Jordan Jefferson marching out onto the field to lead this team? I mean, of course you're going to lose to Alabama if Jordan Jefferson is your quarterback. But now they got Joe Burrow, most likely the Heisman candidate. Their last three games, they're going against Old Miss next week, four and six. They're, and then Arkansas, who just fired their head coach, who's two and eight. And then they are home against AM, who's six and three. So I feel like unless something groundbreaking happens, 
they're going to be 12 and 0 and they're going to be playing for the SEC championship. Yeah, I, I mean I I assume I'll take it a step further than that. I would assume they'll end up with the one seed in yeah. the playoff. So kind of moving into that playoff predictions, I would assume LSU I'm going to give Ohio State the 2 seed. 3, I'm just going to assume Clemson gets in. They're 5 right now, but if they win the ACC and they've, they're the defending national champs, I find it hard to believe that the playoff committee is going to leave an undefeated Clemson team off. Now, if they lose a game or two, you know, then then we'll see. We can talk again. And then fourth, I know Oregon and Utah out in the Pac-12 are doing some things. Oklahoma only has one loss. But at the end of the day, one of those teams with one loss versus Alabama with one loss, Nick Saban's not, not going to play in this playoff. Really? Yeah. I, that is – man, that's that's something right there. I mean, I, my playoff prediction is probably – I mean, if I'm playing it safe, that is, it's probably going to be no order LSU, Ohio State, Alabama, and then I'll give the nod to Clemson for the final spot. First team out most likely being um, Georgia or Oregon. Yeah. But if I'm being, like, like really risky with it and I'm just going off the off the tracks here – um, so I'll throw a couple scenarios. I think LSU is basically in it. Even if they lose in the SEC championship game, they're I, most likely going to be in it. Yeah, I think if they lose, then it's kind of especially like it, it opens it up for debate. But still, it's just it it gets murky because yeah. then does the winner of the SEC get in, and then LSU? You know, like there's all kinds of stuff there. And then um, the number two, I'll still I'll still put in. You know what? Actually, no, I won't. I'll put in Oregon into the playoff in this scenario. And then I will also put in Minnesota as the third team. And as the fourth team, I'll still put in Clemson just because I don't think their schedule indicates anything. But in this one, you have you have Oregon, of course, winning out. You got Georgia losing to um you have Georgia and Alabama both losing to Auburn. And you have Ohio State losing to Michigan and Minnesota two straight games. If Minnesota wins the Big Ten, I don't think the Big Ten championship gets in. Even if Minnesota's unbeaten. Yes. So so if you're the committee, how do you justify so who would be the teams that get in over an undefeated Minnesota in this scenario? LSU, Clemson. Okay. Valid, valid. Alabama, and then one lost Pac twelve champion. See, I mean I Minnesota's seventeenth just... right now in the ranking. So in, in this scenario, you'd basically have Minnesota take down the number four, Penn State, and the number one, Ohio State. So those are you would agree that those are two signature wins if this yeah, scenario absolutely. was to play out. So how does Oregon have the, the wins to stack up against that, especially when they have a one loss compared to an undefeated conference champion? Uh, Alabama, I too, I just think really. at this point, Minnesota's road to – the getting into the top four is so long that, especially considering they went up big at, against Penn State and then played the second half like we're not supposed to be here. Let's try not to lose and just run the ball, run the ball, yeah. and just. I think the committee will look at that and kind of, as a team that doesn't necessarily even consider themselves in the same class as Penn State or Ohio State, and if especially if they're not ranked in the top ten. Tonight, when the rankings drop, there's no way that they get into the playoff, even with an undefeated season. 
It's the same way. They're they're almost, because of their past, they're almost like like a UCF. I just don't know if you would consider them in the same category as UCF. Because I'm, I'm not saying you be, should, know, but just, they're already 17. If if the, I'll say this: if this scenario somehow plays out, and I highly, highly doubt it, it does. I mean, but if it does, and Minnesota, an undefeated conference champion, Minnesota, with uh, wins against number four Penn State and number one Ohio State, is not good enough to get in. I might just throw away college football altogether because I really don't have any ties to Minnesota. But, I mean, that would be just absolute BS at that point. Because yeah. at, at that point, you're basically just, it's the same teams every single year, and you're only considering really three conferences. Because this would be the the third or fourth year that the Big Ten would have missed out if this scenario is to play out. Yeah, but then the Pac-12, I mean, I mean they got Washington in, but I don't, you know, just, like, they've could, struggled. The Big 12 has struggled to get players. I like, could see an in. argument for... Alabama over Minnesota, even though I wouldn't agree with it, I could still see an argument with it. But Oregon, that is just—I mean, that is a I'm not saying shot. it'll happen, I know but it, I, I know just it. with them already ranked 17, and we'll see tonight. Maybe because they beat Penn State, they'll jump up to nine or seven. I think they're gonna jump everyone in front of them up to. You probably, think jump? I think they'll jump around ten or eleven. I think they'll probably jump. Um, Kansas, Notre Dame, probably Michigan, um, definitely Wisconsin, and then you, you, that's where it starts to get a little bit risky See, with undefeated that's Baylor. The problem but. is, is at that point they don't have any regular season games left that are like you'd have to wait until the you conference have to wait until Ohio State for a legit for I think another win like that. And Alabama plays Auburn, who's going to be in the top ten. You know, and some of these other schools are going to be playing top 10 playoff teams. So I don't think it's fair, but I think if they go undefeated, they'll be able to get in kind of next year. They'll, you know, they'll be respected enough. But the way the committee has ranked them so far, I don't know if they could get in. Unless they absolutely go into Ohio State and just dominate in the Big 12 in the Big 10 championship game. See for this Minnesota two of their next 3 games play opponents that are inside the top 20. Two of those are on their side of the conference. So at that point you're playing number 18 Iowa at Iowa next week, which is a respectable team. They're 6 and 3. And then you go to Northwestern who is just a dumpster fire right now. They're 1 and 8. Yeah. And then you are home against number 13, Wisconsin, with the possibility of both those teams being at or around the top 10. I mean, I just feel like I I just I first of all, it won't happen. All right. But if it did happen, I just cannot see a scenario where they don't put this team in. Yeah, I think it'll be like I said, if they don't get in the top 10, I just don't think it can happen. Yeah. Now, if they get in and they're 10, 9, or 8 or something like that, then they then they got Then I think they've chance. got a chance because then you are, you're right. Then you're facing other two other top 25 teams. But when you're the opponents you're going up against and you're being compared against are playing Auburn will be 10 or 9, you know, and Alabama will beat them and then, you know, Georgia will have a shot at some stuff like you know, even Oklahoma has like Kansas and they're already a further ahead. You know, I'm not yeah. saying Kansas is a better win than Wisconsin, but Oklahoma's already ahead of Minnesota. So that 
beating Kansas or whatever yeah. does more for them because they only it's need all to move just, up a spot yeah. or two. It's all very skewed how how these rankings kind of work because you can't just jump up. Well, and I think it's over. I think the things people don't like to admit is the committee does a pretty good job of saying what regular people feel, which is Minnesota beat Penn State, but we're all still not entirely sold on the idea that PJ Fleck has made a playoff contender. Like I said, like, I mean, PJ Fleck was at Western, they were good. I think he's a good coach. Obviously, everywhere he's gone, he's been successful. But we're still a little uneasy on the idea that Minnesota is as good as beating Penn State. Like, I think if they played 10 games, Penn State wins most of them. I won't say 9 out of 10 because I don't think it was that fluky. But, like, 6 or 7 wins go to Penn State probably. See, I think Penn State is – I mean, they're they're a pretty decent team. And I'm not discounting Minnesota's win against them. But at the same time, they had no business being number 4. To me, that was just the committee trying to get viewers and get people talking about the playoff by putting Penn, a one-loss Penn State I mean, over Clemson, over Georgia, over Oregon. It just yeah. makes well, zero Clemson's sense to me. Clemson's not looked that good this year. Yeah. Like, they Clemson's a team that, if you're looking at the top 10, and you know, especially at some of those undefeated teams, I mean, I think Minnesota's probably the most likely undefeated team to lose, but then you have to look at, like, Clemson might lose or trip up against like a Wake Forest or lose in the ACC championship game, which is something they haven't done in a while. Yeah. And if I think if Clemson loses, that's it because the ACC doesn't look good at all. Oh, no. And a loss to anyone in the ACC is it, you're done. But honestly, I mean, regardless on who makes the playoff, I just really hope that the championship itself just doesn't include Clemson or Alabama. I'm just so sick of both those teams. I'm sick of watching both of them. I mean, honestly, my dream playoff scenario would probably be, I mean, I hate to say it, but I think Ohio State-LSU would be a just a fantastic game. I mean, I, the I prodigal sons, you know, return to Ohio and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think, you know, Georgia versus LSU, Georgia versus, you know, Ohio State. I think State, LSU, anyone. Ohio State is probably the best one. I think Georgia's a good team, but I don't know like week to week they look very different to me yeah. like some weeks they bring it like even you know I watched the Notre Dame game very closely and it didn't feel 100% like Georgia was the better team constantly like Notre Dame was just making mistakes and lost that and I don't even think Notre Dame was that good of a team this year like you know they just they didn't look to be able to accomplish things offensively and to barely beat that team to me like you know, I'll say that Notre Dame's probably a top 15 team this year. You know, to barely beat them and say you're a top four, I don't know what that says to me about Georgia. But other weeks they've looked very good. But I think in the playoff, if Georgia's the four seed or if they're the three seed, you could see them win or you could see them just not show up Oh yeah, and just get pummeled by LSU or whoever, or Oregon or any, you know, anyone. Well, I'll tell you what, I think Kirby, uh, smart uh, Georgia's head coach, I think he's on a short leash because I feel like Georgia is so desperate to just win a championship that if Kirby doesn't deliver here in the next couple of years, I think they're going to cut him loose. I mean, they did the same thing with Mark Richt uh, a couple of years ago. I mean, Yeah, but Richt was never – I mean, Georgia t- – Kirby Smart took them within one incredible to-a-throw – 
of the national championship. I know it. I know it. I just. I mean, he deserves some of the blame. Like you know, a backup quarterback comes in, and a very good backup quarterback who arguably could have been the starter all season comes in and just outduels you. But I just feel like they're kind of they're kind of stuck in purgatory as far as how good they are. Like I, I just. They're, they need to break through that like great to like elite level. Like yeah. they're great right now. Don't I mean, there's wrong. a lot of teams. Oh like yeah, that. but like you look at other teams that are up and coming. I mean, Auburn's been reloading for the last two years now. Yeah, but they're Auburn's be still back. Auburn's still to me in the same position they always are, where it's like, <laughs> you know, they can on any night they can be anyone, but on any night they can lose exactly. to anyone. Like, they're, but they're definitely like always like. Between eight and thirteen. Oh, that's, like it's yeah. just their permanent home. And then you also look at uh, LSU, and I mean they're. I mean not LSU. Really up and coming. They're already there, but still. Yeah, Coach I mean o, LSU I mean, is a team that went from great to elite. Oh, like just they this ma- year, they're yeah. making the jump that you know Georgia I think needs to make. But I mean, right now Georgia's supplying. I mean, what five or six teams in the top twenty-five yeah. with quarterbacks. <laughs> God, man, could you imagine having Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, and Justin Fields all in the same quarterback room? I mean, just just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. and imagine keeping the worst one of that bunch. That is just that is just embarrassing right there. Yeah, I I kind of understand letting Eason go because I think Fromm Fromm kind of overtook him he there. He just at the overtook him yeah. like head to head. They just Got outdueled. Like, I feel like I think Eason's Eason a lot more talented, and From yeah. just took it over. Exactly. But I don't know. Yeah, if I'm Kirby Smart, and he kind of did the Nick Saban thing, mm-hmm. where it's like I've got my guy, I'm gonna stick with exactly. him you until I until then. I don't need to. But if I'm looking at Justin Fields sitting on the bench and some of the things you could do with him at quarterback, especially with the Georgia running backs they I always have, it. I think they would have. Especially hindsight's twenty twenty, but they would have loved to have Justin Fields running that offense. I mean, they'd be a lot better. I mean, I think if they kept Justin Fields, I mean, this is not a knock against Jake Fromm, but he just isn't Fields. They might be in the top four right now if they ended up keeping him. Yeah. I mean, who knows? That's just kind of my – and then, I mean, one final thought on, the on you know, the college football playoff debate is if the championship this year is Alabama-Clemson, I'm not watching it. The, the third time was okay, but you know the fourth time I just I can't do it. It's just it's just not good anymore. It's stale. Give me something else. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think though this year both teams. I'm assuming that if they get in, they'll be the three and the four. Yeah. So in theory, they should be defeated, but but they won't because well, may- sports hates me and. <laughs> We'll see. I Loves think to see me crumble. I think if they and if it ends up Ohio State versus Clemson and Alabama versus LSU again, I think Saban probably gets his revenge. Oh, I do. You know, because you just have some things where like Tua is probably never going to unforced error fumble the ball again. I mean, Judy dropped two touchdown passes. He's I mean, supposed to be the number exactly. one receiver. You know, prospect oh, coming out. So bad. And he just dropped two passes. So you're probably not gonna have some of those mistakes. I think I mean I don't think it's gonna be like 42-16 Alabama, but I think they're gonna in a close another close game, they'll they'll get it. But I think Ohio State or LSU versus Clemson, I just don't think 
I think both of those teams right now are this year are better than what Clemson is doing. Unless Trevor Lawrence turn, turns into the last season's Trevor Lawrence in this and, you know back quarter of yeah. the season. The thing that really scares me about Clemson is we've been kind of dogging on them. But, I mean, it kind of has dawned on me that they really haven't played anybody this year. Mm-hmm. So are they holding out a ton of their kind of like well, big you, plays and you all that kind of stuff? the national championship by, what, 20-something yeah. points? It could just, it just be it, hard it, to show up for a game. It and, just terrifies me. Exactly. Like the players just aren't as motivated as yeah. they should be. Or maybe like Dabo's holding out different play calls. Or I think know, what would actually be really good for Clemson is if Notre Dame ever joined the ACC fully. Oh, yeah. I think it would hurt Notre Dame because right now they can schedule. I think Notre Dame's the only team with like four wins. or There was a weird stat where like yeah. they have more Power 5 conference wins than any other team in the country. Not necessarily like elite Power 5 conference mm-hmm. wins, but their schedule doesn't start with four cupcakes and then work in a conference. It's kind of like, you know, they play a medium mix of teams all season. I yeah. You know, some, some not as good as others, obviously, but. And I just feel like if Notre Dame was to ever join a conference, which I think that they should be forced to if they want to make the playoff, I think that should be a requirement. You got to be. Just make it you have to be in the Power 5 because they're not going to put a non-Power 5 in anyway. But, I mean, if they were to join a conference, they belong in the Big Ten. I mean, you can't tell me differently. but they already are in the ACC I know on an it. affiliate basis. I know. It's just there's just something about Notre Dame, and they just remind me so much of, like, Michigan, where it's just the locations there, mm-hmm. you know, the status is there, the kind I of mean, power football is there, too. It just mm-hmm. makes sense to me. It, it, I think it does make sense. But I, it'll be the ACC because less competition. Maybe I mean. Well, I just and I, I don't the, know. yeah, I don't know. It'll who knows more money. But I also think yeah, I don't know all the ins and outs yeah. of it. But I, who knows? Yeah, I think another. I think the ACC yeah. gives them access to recruiting over there. Yeah, so that makes maybe sense. they have I, a huge domain over competing with Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah, Michigan so maybe State, if they gave them, if they Minnesota. joined the Big Ten, and because they were looking to join full time as a conference member, then maybe they would look to the Big Ten just because it'd be, like you said, easier for travel purposes. Yeah. But you know, I mean, and outside of Notre Dame, I think that uh, this is just in my back. My imagination has been for a couple of years. I think that if the Big Twelve was to ever just fall apart, which it it really was close to a couple of years ago. I would be totally fine if the Big Ten added a Southern presence by bringing in Texas or Oklahoma. Oh, or I both. think they'll definitely try. I mean, I just think it's kind of like a weird too because they don't really feel like the Midwestern type thing. But I mean, just adding those teams to the West would be just tremendous yeah. to have them compete with Iowa and like Nebraska and all those yeah. other guys. Well, I just think Nebraska that'd be awesome. Was a Big Twelve team. Yeah, forever. exactly. And, I mean, Nebraska football hasn't been back since they joined the Big Ten, so maybe this yeah. will give them a little bit of a kick to bring back those rivalries. But, yeah, that's just in the back of my mind. I mean, I just feel like that would be awesome. Yeah, who who knows? Um, but looking at some of the quarterback, you know, prospects coming out, you've got Burrow, you've got Tua. Herber is still kind of climbing in there, mm-hmm. and Mike Tannenbaum the other day was saying, out of Tua and Burrow, he'd pick – you know, Herbert, and you're oh, like, uh, God. but I, I think I want to start there. I think that's how a lot of people are thinking. A oh, lot yeah. of decision makers in the NFL, because Herbert looks like 
your an prototypical NFL quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he's got the size, and I mean, he's got the arm strength too. If I was in the NFL, I probably wouldn't touch him just because unless you go to Stanford, I don't trust Pac-12 quarterbacks. But I mean, Justin but he Herbert, is, he's a different Pac-12 yeah, quarterback. I mean, like, kind of. I mean, he's different than Mariota in the fact that Mariota isn't, I won't say undersized. He just he reminds me of Joey Harrington. <laughs> just the size and the kind of style of play and the school. I don't know. I, I think he'll definitely be taken top top 10 i mean there's definitely some teams that will touch him especially if miami keeps winning they'll take him at the you know sixth or seventh pick in the draft yeah but i yeah. mean i mean i think though you look at tua and your big knock on tua is just injury history every season he's injured with something so can that dude stay healthy that's that's my big concern and with, with tua. burrow he looks really good this year he might win the heisman and i think he'll probably end up going number one but i think some of the fear in a player like that is why couldn't he get the starting job at Ohio State? Mm-hmm. Why couldn't you know? Why you know? There's always those questions of why'd like, you lose those two games last year and all that yeah. kind of stuff and not put up those kind of stats. No, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think Burrow will probably go number one just because he kind of fits. Well, like the I AFC think- North is weird about their quarterbacks because they're all outdoors and they kind of want you know big hand size and all yeah. these other kind of traits. Which is why Herbert is probably exactly. a good Bengals I, quarterback. Exactly, but. I think at the end of the day, though, too, Zach Taylor comes from the McVay coaching mm-hmm. scheme. But you've also, like, you've got, I think you saw with Mayfield, it's like if you're a winner, a GM might be willing to just take a flyer on you. Yeah. Like, especially when you look at guys like Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, players who don't fit the prototypical type mm-hmm. of player mold now having success. And in Jackson's case, like MVP caliber success. I, mean, I think it might teams change the tides of the NFL. I think teams are more likely now to just say, "Okay, this guy won the Heisman. He won games. You know, he potentially won the national title. Let's just take a shot because the dude can win. He can, you yeah. know, sling a football." And then, you know, I don't know the draft order off the top of my head, but pull it up here real yeah. quick. Yeah. So basically, it goes it goes Bengals need a quarterback. Redskins don't need a quarterback. Giants don't need a quarterback. Miami, they're probably going to take a flyer on one of those guys. And then you have the Jets, don't need a quarterback. Falcons, no quarterback. Uh, Buccaneers, that's that might be an interesting one. That's honestly where yeah. I'm going to kind of mock uh, Justin Herbert at this point because I think I, Bruce Arians would just absolutely fall in love with him. I think you're more likely to see like the Bengals take Burrow and then the Redskins will pick... They'll they'll pick either fourth from Miami or like let's say seventh from Denver or ninth. I think they'll trade back because you'll be able to get whatever. Yeah, Somebody will take will Tua, up. and then you know maybe Miami takes you know Herbert or you know if he gets to Denver, Denver will take him. Which if he gets drafted by Denver, you could probably count it out. But New York, the Giants are sitting in a good position to get Chase Young, which who could be the best player in the draft and get him at three. And you won't really fix any of the issues yeah. your team has, but you will have a very prolific pass rusher. I mean, then you'll have another elite player to trade away right when he gets in his prime too. So you got that for him as well. But uh, I mean, if the Giants somehow come up with Chase Young and the Redskins are dumb enough to pass on him, I mean, the Giants are really in a perfect spot in this draft because they kind of took care of the quarterback situation last mm-hmm. year. 
and say what you want to about Daniel Jones, but he's got talent. And well, all he has to do is and, limit those turnovers and get like an actual and head he's coach. played like what six games? Yeah, exactly. We have no idea. Like I've, I mean, I've said this all season. We don't necessarily know Baker yet. We, we think we know even Lamar. We yeah. don't like no. these guys have to play probably two or three full seasons before you can say like this is what this dude exactly. is permanently. Now, like a player like Lamar or like Mahomes who isn't just showing flashes of being good but being elite, I think you can tend to say, like, okay, that's what they are. But, yeah, with Jones, it's way too early to say he's oh, good or not good. No, so yeah, he's definitely I, the guy, at I least I think, for at now. least for now, they are in a position where they think they can draft some outside talent. And, oh, yeah. I mean, if I'm the Redskins, I want Chase Young. He looks like yeah. he'll be better than either Bosa brother, who are both really, really good oh, NFL easily. players. But if you're asking the question, are the Redskins dumb enough to trade back, the answer is always yes. Yeah, exactly. Are they- Bruce Allen and Dan Schneider, if they if they're promised like a you know first round pick or second round <laughs> pick, they're they're gonna be like, oh well, you know, and of course they'll do it. But I would think we also can't rule out that the Redskins just draft a quarterback. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> could you imagine? I I actually can. I can imagine that the Redskins will draft. Justin Herbert, number two overall. <laughs> and it's just, they, but then like six months, two months in, you find out the coach didn't want him. Yeah. And, and then he, it'll be he his liked whole Haskins thing. and Snyder likes Herbert. And yeah, John Elway will swoop in out of nowhere and take Dwayne Haskins yeah. right out. And the best part is then like two will get drafted by Miami or something like that. And he'll just turn out to be like this phenomenal quarterback. Oh, yeah. Cause it's just, that's, that's what happens to the Redskins. Yeah. And it'll like forever, it'll just be like, you know, the team can you believe Herbert was in the same class as Tua and Joe Burrow? And you're I mean, like, oh, yeah. and yikes. The thing that scares me about Tua is not only the injuries, but like if a team like Miami drafts him with literally no offensive line, like if I'm Miami, I'm not playing that dude until I can actually get some linemen. And that's the same thing that scares me not so much with Lamar Jackson, but like he's like a once-in-a-generation type talent, right? Yeah. Like, I would probably, like, look to Michael Vick, not for, you know, outside football advice. Mm-hmm. That's probably not best for, for Lamar. But, like, inside football, like, sure, like, do your thing running, but you got to be smart running. Like, you I can't think he be has like, been no, so he definitely far. has been 100%. But, like, Michael Vick did the thing where he was like, he would run always, but he'd always have a way on getting down and not taking hits. And he, you know, developed his arm. You know, whether it was training in prison or something else, he developed his arm to be this, you know, awesome passer. And Lamar has been an excellent. I mean, he's been really good at completing passes, but he's got to get better at being like more of a pocket presence and having that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, we'll see with Lamar because he's very comparable to Vic in the way they move. I mean, every time Lamar scrambles out, you're kind of like size. Is this a touchdown or not? No matter where he's at on the field. Yeah, which is the last time that really happened was Michael Vick. I mean, Kaepernick had some of that where, like, he was getting 50-yard runs yeah. for touchdowns, but not in the same way where, like, Lamar Jackson, once he's in the field, kind of looks like a wideout or a receiver. Like, he's able to make people miss, and I think that's what's good about him is he kind of, because of his shiftiness, he never quite takes the big hit. He kind of avoids it, and he can slide down, but... Vic always had an incredibly strong arm, like astronomically oh, strong. Yeah. So I think, you know, in that case, like 
Lamar Jackson could never do anything to get Michael Vick's arm. I mean, there's probably outside of Mahomes and Stafford, I think there's probably a ton of other quarterbacks off of that list who would love to be able to throw the ball as far as Mike Vick. But he's he'll improve as a passer over time. I mean, we only saw really one or two seasons yeah. where Vick was a very, very proficient passer and oh, just yeah. could do it well. And I think the way the Ravens are utilizing it and got speed on the outside and, you know, Mark Andrews at tight end and, you know, using some various running backs, I think they're making it so that his throws don't have to be perfect, but as long as they're good or great, exactly. he can he can get the job done. And just just making it so that it's easier for Lamar because he can throw. Oh, definitely. He it's just he's never going to it's be. It's not his his first priority on most plays. I mean, well, yeah, and he's just he's never going to be Drew Brees exactly. with accuracy. And but he doesn't a really lot need of to. yeah he doesn't need yeah. to be. And a lot of quarterbacks could say that. It's just the Ravens have done a good job doing what they're doing, building around Lamar. And they've been saying that now for like six months. And it's just funny that like we said that. And apparently the only team in the NFL that can stop it are the Cleveland Browns. And and honestly, I mean, kudos to John Harbaugh too because he literally went from Joe Flacco, who might be the most, you know, like least mobile person on the planet to Lamar Jackson. And he kept on putting in all these little wrinkles and all these little plays within his I playbook. Mean, but we saw with out. his brother. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like I, Alex I think Smith to Colin Kaepernick. Exactly. I mean, it's just kind of. I mean, and both of them are obviously really good coaches. But I mean, yeah. just to adjust like that, I mean, it's just it's really amazing. I just I I hope for the for the sake of the game that he can stay healthy and have like a long career yeah. and be the new face of football with Patrick Mahomes. I think. That'd I mean, be awesome. I think. Especially the fact that Mahomes and Watson are in the AFC mm-hmm. and like and Lamar. So like you've got three quarterbacks who are probably gonna be one two one A, one B, one C for the next decade. Like to be able to have them probably play each other pretty consistently. I mean, yeah. And in the playoffs. And like, especially, I mean, you look at the AFC, you have Tua coming out this next year, which is a strong possibility gets picked by an AFC team. And then of yeah. course you have Joe Burrow, another strong possibility. I mean those are like six quarterbacks right then and there that is, I mean, the AFC is going to be very competitive and it's going to be up for grabs as soon as King Tom leaves. Yeah. And I think you, um, you even look at like Darnold could be a good quarterback. If Adam Gase ever leaves Mayfield, (laughs) we still has talent, still has talent. I mean, if again, if Freddie kitchens ever goes away or or stops calling plays or something, I don't know. Like there's talent there. Like, the AFC could be just this impossible mess of really talented quarterbacks where every week anyone could be anyone. I mean, we'll see how defenses get shaped and, you know, other talent. But I think specifically with Jackson, Mahomes, and Watson, we think we know what we've got. We think we've got the three best quarterbacks in the league all kind of doing it differently. Like, I think Jackson is willing to run. Watson can and will, but he doesn't want to. And Mahomes is just strong armed, yeah. and he can move. I mean, we saw it. Oh no, he's definitely first hand against the Lions. All right, that yeah. was unnecessary. <laughs> but I mean, but also yeah. the jump throw. Like if Lamar Jackson didn't have that incredible run, the jump throw from this weekend would have been the play. Oh, hundred percent. But I mean, and as good as those quarterbacks are going to be from the AFC, watch out because the NFC's got Daniel Jones leading the charge and. <laughs> Jared Goff at $134 million. Oh, man. I mean, I mean, just think about that, too. People thought that Matthew Stafford's deal was a robbery. 
Yeah, but I, I mean, people they, they really always think that every right time, time. and yeah, probably true. two or three years, we will think less about the Goff deal. But I think the difference between the Stafford deal and the Goff deal is Stafford's deal, you're going, that's a lot of money, but he's a good quarterback. Exactly. With Goff, you're going, that's a lot of money, and you probably should be paying him five. Like he's, yeah, exactly unless right. he really turns it around during this contract, you're yeah. going to be overpaying by about 15 million. Whereas, like, once, yeah, I agree. Once the market evened out and the cap went up, Stafford's deal now is like almost a bargain. I won't say quite a bargain, but. Oh, I'd say it's 100% almost. a bargain. I mean, you look at when they paid him, I, I he's fe- number seven on the list as far as money per Yeah, year but goes. I find it hard to really get. Unless it's the rookie deal, really get quarterbacks on a bargain just because it still takes up like a no, quarter I mean, of the it, cap. It's still eating a, a ton of cap. Yeah. But just when they paid but, him, it was perfect. Yeah. It was before Jimmy G. It was before Kirk Cousins, yeah. Matt Ryan, no, Aaron abso- Rodgers, I Big absolutely, ben, yeah. Russell Wilson. I mean, you're going to have Patrick Mahomes here really quick in yeah. extension. So that pushed it down again. But, After that, yeah. Deshaun Watson. Maybe Mitch Trubisky signs like a seven year contract with nah, the Bears. Dude. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> no, dude. Tr- Trubisky. I'll be surprised if he's there next year. No, he won't be there for the long. But, but I, mean, I mean, the deal just—it looks really good right now. Yeah, and that's well, and, few, but it looks good know. because he's still a good quarterback. Oh, yeah. If he were trash, you know, like we see it in baseball all the time. Yeah, where, you know, Miguel Cabrera right in Detroit. Ugh. You know, but I mean, keeping an eye on like Chase zero Young, that incredible suspension that he is or is not going to get handed oh, down. Man. But then on the same day, Memphis get, finding we out Wiseman is about suspended. Too, yeah. yeah, how on earth is the NCAA like? It's like you know you're the least popular person I know in it. the room. Like so you maybe just rip a huge <laughs> part and just make it that much worse. It's just, <laughs> yeah, maybe make not choices that are going to, you know. Yeah, and it's kind of like one step forward, like four steps backward too, because like. Yay! You like you actually did like a decent yeah, thing by well, letting players you did pop it off like potentially like yeah, potentially you, opening up the conversation to happen, and then you instantly suspend two suspend of your most profitable, probably the best player in exactly. Each sport, you know, and I mean, but, even as a Michigan fan, I just he's just so so good. Like I want him to play each and every game, just because I like college football and I want to watch that. Yeah. And I mean, that just turns viewers off when you suspend. Uh, yeah, Chase I mean, Young, you'll get I your mean, local and, viewers, yeah. and but you're going to lose a couple of national viewers because you're, you know, and maybe not as much in football because football often But especially the, in basketball. Like, yeah. Who's, in, like, for example, like Memphis, right? Memphis basketball. If it's a Tuesday night and I have the option to go play Madden or watch Memphis basketball, Memphis basketball without Wiseman, I yeah. will take a hard pass on that one. But with him, I mean, you can bet my TV's coming on. I'm watching that yeah. you know, that freak play. I mean, well, that is just ridiculous. And I think, uh, gosh, I can't even remember who it was now, but somebody was saying, like, basically, Memphis had the number one draft class or the recruiting class mm-hmm. coming into this season. The NCAA saw that, knows Memphis isn't this incredible, you know, they're not Kentucky, they're not Duke. So they already are looking at Memphis like, what can we find here? Because this oh, is not how it's supposed to be. I mean, I don't even know. Do you know what was he even suspended or what was he even kicked out for? Or ruled in so eligible? it was because uh, because Penny was his high school coach and he helped him move to Memphis in 2018 mm-hmm. that, you know, and I think there was money and like financial transaction to help him move to Memphis. 
I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this guy. I mean, I'm older than this guy. Like, that's just, I, I don't know, dude. The NCAA, it's kind of like you said, they're just, they're the most unpopular. They know that, and they keep on doing this stuff that yeah. just pushes away not only fans, but players and programs, too. Imagine, though, if Memphis gets to the national title and then has it all vacated again. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> Like has the number riots. one have the number well would I mean, they even care they've done it once that's true I mean in two thousand eight oh, right? they did it with Coach Cal didn't they yeah with Rose <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I totally forgot about that they did yeah they made the Cal national Cal did that yeah oh man yeah they <laughs> so like would their fans even care at this point you because it's like yeah the NCAA says like this doesn't exist for you but you know yeah I mean I mean the NCAA says Reggie Bush never won the Heisman. I mean, but everyone knows. Everyone like, Reggie remembers Bush is Reggie, Heisman. Yeah, like, Reggie he, Bush like, is one of the best. Reggie players Bush of, is top ten oh, all yeah. time, like NCAA players to watch. You know, and if this thing goes through, where players can profit from their uh, likeness, I mean, <laughs> do you start? Do you do you like give Reggie Bush exactly? Yeah. Like, I think hundred percent they should give Reggie Bush back his trophy. I would love to see Reggie uh, star in Heisman House commercials <laughs> and all this other stuff. But it just seems like every single week we come in here, we talk about the NCAA and what they're doing wrong. Yeah. And it's just, I just don't get it, man. Yeah, I mean, the NCAA has the advantage that they're probably never going to go away. Like, they really probably need not. to fix some things just because people are so passionate about college sports. You know, it's the reason that, you know, both of us would pay more money than we have to play, you know, as Joe Burrow in an NCAA football game. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Memphis is determined to keep playing him. So they're until the NCAA rules against that judge, or and yeah. they will take it to court. But I mean, until that happens, yeah. I mean, do you think if if Wiseman went to Duke, that this would have happened? Uh, like same scenario type thing. Do you think it would be? I think. I mean, it's kind of. It's kind of. I mean, I could see how there'd be a justification for a double standard. Yeah, as as, I mean, the problem, like, they're basically calling, like, Penny was a booster at the time, so mm-hmm. they're saying a booster helped. So, I don't know. Like, there's all kinds of different levels to this where it's, you know, it's more complicated because, you know, Penny was a high school basketball mm-hmm. coach and then now is – you know, the Memphis basketball coach. So it I think it'd be similar to like the if Howard helped a player move to Ann Arbor mm-hmm. before, before he, he was, was a Michigan yeah. coach and then signed him. Like probably not with the intent, but he's technically a booster. Like, you know, who knows? Yeah, you're getting a lot of kind of you know, technicalities and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and but. it's like if you're looking strictly at the NCAA rules, you probably have to say the NCAA is right on this one, but they at some point need to start using judgment to determine, like, what's good and what's bad? Like, what do we need to crack down on and what can we kind of just let go? Exactly. So, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. He looks like, you know, he's going to tear it's it up. Deal, yeah. And he could – could be he, he's likely number one pick. Oh, 100%. I mean, he's definitely going to finish in the top. I mean, and even if he's ruled five. ineligible, like it it won't make that much difference to him. It'll hurt the NCAA yeah. more. But I mean, either way, he's going to the NBA after this year, so yeah. I don't think he really 
I mean, would he really mind the year off? I mean, who knows? Yeah. But I think that's all we've got for you today. Tune in next week. I'm sure we'll have more football coming your way.